Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I have a special guest on the podcast today, Amy Knight, director of the East Bay Prayer Furnace in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm talking with Amy Knight, and Amy is a wife and mother of five children. She gives leadership to the East Bay Prayer Furnace, a ministry devoted to building day and night prayer for the worthiness of Jesus. She has a graduate certificate with spiritual formation and spiritual theology, or with formation in spiritual theology from Alvilla Institute, as well as a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering. She enjoys solitude, pray reading the Holy Scriptures, as well as holy books on prayer written by saints. Currently, she is delving into the riches of the letters written by St. Paul of the Cross, who founded the Order of the Passionists. Amy, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm so excited to have you on because, uh, you know, reading that bio, I'm, I'm excited for my audience to get to know you and to just discover some of the, the riches of, of what you've devoted your life to. Um, what I'm interested in doing here with this series of podcasts is introducing people all over the United States, people that are, if, if you're outside of the United States, I'm probably not going to be um, interviewing uh, people that are, are running these kinds of places outside the United States. If you know anybody, let me know and maybe we'll add them in. But right now, it's, it's for you U.S. people that are listening. Um, I'm, I want to introduce everyone to people that direct prayer centers, places that people can go, hopefully kind of in their area or somewhere in their region, where if they want a prayer retreat or if they want to find out more about growing in prayer, they can talk to people like you. But before we jump into that, Amy, tell me just a little bit about yourself. Tell me, you know, kind of how did you, you know, where did you grow up? How did you end up getting a, a, a civil engineering degree and then running a, a, a prayer room devoted to leading people into deeper lives of prayer? Yeah. So my um, my early years, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. Um, my family did not know the Lord at all. We never went to church. Um, my dad was a university professor in mechanical engineering, and he would say he was an atheist. Um, he did get saved in his later years, so that's an awesome testimony. But um, yeah, I we didn't know the Lord. I had um, five, there was five kids in our family. I was the youngest. My oldest sister got saved through a Young Life camp, um, which is like a campus ministry. And basically she led me to the Lord when I was like 10 years old and gave me a Bible. And um, I somehow just, I think, via the Lord had a gift of prayer early on because even as a child, I had my Bible, I would pray, I would try to read the Bible, and I would pray for my family to know him and it concerned me very much that they they did not know him and they might end up in hell someday so I um, I prayed fervently for my family and um, that was my those were my early years I, I didn't how, really how old even were set. you again when you how old were you again when you started praying when you really started 10 I was like 10 years 10, old okay. yeah and then really never even went to church until I was like 16. Wow. And that's when I first started to go to a Bible church and actually hear somebody preaching, you know, the Word of God. You know, prior to that, I was just kind of reading it myself as best as I knew how. I would spend time with God in my room. <laughs> so um, so those were my early years. And um, 
my dad all, always taught all of us to, to take as much math and science as possible in school and to all become engineers. That's <laughs> That was his goal for all of our lives. So that's why I have a civil engineering degree. I really mostly wanted my father's blessing, I think. So, um, yeah. And I did kind of have a math and science brain. I have something in there that works, you know, the technical side of me, which actually now in the later years has turned more to theology. I love theology and it's really a science, you know, so I see yeah. that coming in my life that way. But Well, I, f yeah, I feel a kindred spirit with you there because my, my grandfather and my father are both engineers. My father-in-law is an engineering professor at a university and, uh, and I got a quasi-engineering degree in college. <laughs> So, yeah, so, out so, of that, as far as leading East Bay Prayer Furnace, um, that was a, a different route, but um, I uh, was a part of a team in 2006. There was four of us that were kind of called out of three different churches and um, by leaders that said, you four are the ones to start a prayer room in our region. We recognize that that's on your life. We want to lay hands on you, pray over you, and have you guys run with this. And so it was kind of a special apostolic kind of um, commissioning by these leaders of these three churches. And so uh, I was one of those four that was the founder, basically, of East Bay Prayer Furnace that opened up in 2006 when that happened. It just kind of was just a prophetic swirl. God was just on it, and it just kind of burst forth. Like many of the prayer rooms that I know about, there was a lot of beginnings of prayer rooms in 2005, 2006, and we were one of those that just, it kind of came off the wave of IHOP Kansas City, and we had all been tracking with Mike Bickle and seeing what was happening there and wanting that ourselves in our region, and so, you know, we, we didn't know how hard it would be to do something like that, but we were like, let's go 24-7, we want a prayer room, you know, in our region. So we had all kinds of zeal and, um, you know, so, just began a journey. So tell me, what is it, what does the, the prayer furnace do? Like, what is, what, what kind of activities do y'all engage in? What, what is a prayer furnace? Okay, yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, we are like a very smaller version of what happens in IHOP Kansas City if you're familiar with that. So our mandate, our goal, if you will, is we want to go night and day with worship and prayer. So the idea is to have a room open so that people come can come in anytime, night or day, and there's been a space cultivated, like uh, a place that has been so much prayer happening like like a burning furnace you know so much prayer happening in one place that they come in and they actually sense the presence of God in the room like a, a place to host the presence of God and yeah. so yeah that is what we endeavor to do we don't by any means have 24 7 uh, but we want to that's our that's well, you guys our uh, Idea, I was looking but, at your website, and you guys, you guys have quite a, a, a lot of hours. Y'all are doing quite a bit. Um, I mean, you know, imagine the infrastructure, if you will, those of you listening, 
to run a Walmart 24/7, the number of the the people, the just all of the stuff that it takes to stay open, or even you know a gas station that stays over 20 open 24/7, it's it's not a small feat. And so when you're talking about having uh, people that are are actively leading worship and actively leading prayer, musicians, instruments, the space, all that kind of stuff, it's it's a lot. And you guys are actually doing uh, a lot of of in the room live prayer per day, and so that's that's really commendable. Um, and for those of you that are, are are watching or listening to this, and you're not familiar with what a, a a prayer room is or the International House of Prayer, I actually live in Kansas City, and I'm a, a part here of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. It's a place that my wife and I, our family, moved to several years ago, and 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 we love being here. I invite people to come to prayer retreats all the time. Come spend a week here. I'd love for people. We're you know talk at the end here about how people can come visit you, but but if you're if you're if, if you find it peculiar that people would want to pray 24-7, night and day, this is nothing new. This is a very historical thing, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and so people have been doing this for the last couple thousand years and even before that. And there are modern expressions of that. And one of those expressions is what you're doing and actually hosting live prayer multiple hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. So, so... With with all of that, with a little bit of background there, what ha- what what took you to that place to want to do that, to want to start that, and what's kept you there? Because y'all started in two thousand six, and I want a little bit of that story of how y'all started, and 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 you, you know you kind of talked about the swirl that was around it, but but why did you start, and what even more than that, what's kept you going? Well, good. That's a good question. Um, for me, it was longing for God, <laughs> just longing to know the man Jesus in a deeper way. And um, I would say my personal journey started probably at least, um, gosh, I want to say eight to ten years prior to when we started the prayer room. Um, I was at, um, in leadership at a local church, and our church. We didn't have our own building. We used another church building, but we had our own office space. And one of our offices we designated as a prayer room. And so because, um, you know, I love to pray, I had a key to that space. (laughs) And I would go in this little office space that our church had and um, pray, you know, just pray a lot. And at this time, I had three little children. we have five now pretty much grown up but at the time I had three little three little ones and so very hard to find any time to pray at home when you have three little ones and so what I would literally do is I would put them to bed I would drive my car over to this office space I would get in this little room by myself and do all-night vigils and I had this like such a longing deep longing and hunger for God I would read the song of songs I would put my name in I would be reading it to God and then I would be wishing for singers and musicians to be around singing this and so this was like you know quite a few years even before Kansas City opened their doors to actually do that but the Lord had placed like the vision of that deep inside of me 
even before you know I had been listening to Mike Bickle and everything but there was something he was birthing in me that was the beginnings of that prayer room and so it was a deep longing and hunger for God to know him intimately like what that Song of Solomon book is all about um, he is like our bridegroom and we are like his bride and that's how he identifies us at the end of the book of Revelation you know the church is called the bride why are we called the bride yeah. and not like army of God or something? We're called the bride because he wants such deep union with us. And so for whatever reason, he had just like deposited that in my heart deeply. And so I had been hungering and thirsting and longing for basically, you know, prayer room to do this with other people, not just by myself, which was special. I mean, I look back and I go, those were unique times that I could go to this little room and pray all night, you know, every so often, once a week, whatever I could do. God gave me grace to like be a mom the next day to my little children, you know, but I was getting something in the Lord by doing that. I was like doing a night watch, like I was somehow like sowing seeds wow. into what would later be the prayer room that, that got birthed, um, you know, along with the other so people the who Lord did it with me. Yeah, so the Lord marked you from a very young age with a heart for prayer. And mm -hmm. so, through a roundabout way, he led you to, you know, hungering and longing for this. You started this. And so now you've been doing the, the East Bay Prayer Furnace, this prayer room, since 2006. What's been the thing that's kept you going? I mean, that's, that's a long time to do anything. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you're, you, I mean, most people's careers don't last anywhere near that long, let alone doing something that, uh, you know, being in a room where you're just praying and, and having these meditative times, that's a difficult thing. Most people don't understand that, but that's a challenging thing. So what's kept you going? You know what? I think it's just, it's just intimacy with Christ. I, I really, it's like, I... I, I have, I think, that Mary of Bethany slash Anna thing, what, you know, that's just like serving God day and night with prayer and fasting. That is what energizes me. And so yeah. um, I know that's not for everybody. It's like a small percentage of the population that would maybe have that particular vocation. But I really see my job as prayer. Like that is my vocation is to be one that, serves God day and night with prayers and fastings. And so that is what's on me. So it's it's natural for me to be in a prayer room. Um, not so natural necessarily to be leading it like I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, for 11 years, we had another leader, a senior leader. And then as the Lord would have it, he um, we basically sent him up to the Sacramento region to start another one. So we now have two prayer rooms under our organization. So our organization, the Prayer Furnace Inc., has House of Prayer Sacramento, and we have East Bay Prayer Furnace. And so when our senior lead moved to Sacramento and we sent him out to do that, then I got the senior lead position, not really wanting it, but that's what it fell to. Um, and so that's been a new kind of challenging journey for me because I'm the person who wants to be more hidden, like be in prayer all the time. I don't necessarily want to be up in front doing all this stuff, leading a, leading a thing, right? But yeah, 
the part that's easy for me is to be in the room a lot and <laughs> to do a lot of hours. Like that might not be easy for other people. This but is that's your happy actually, place. That's actually my easy place. Yeah, my happy place. Yeah. So this this is your happy place being there. So that's that's awesome. So let me ask this: what What is it like for someone if they wanted to come and visit you? What would it be like? What would their encounter be like if they wanted to come for uh, a morning prayer time, or if they wanted to spend, uh, you know, a week long prayer retreat? They just want to, you know, they they just really need to get away and get get with the Lord. What would that look like coming to visit you guys? Um, right now, we have most of our mornings are open. Uh, our room is open. Um, usually, we open early, five or six a.m. in the morning. Um, because we have um, people who have really like signed up for a lifestyle of prayer and they work during the day so they come in early for an hour or two hours before they go to work and for whatever reason that's been the norm for our prayer room all these years we've always had the early mornings open um, at times we've gone we have gone 24-5 before in the past we did that for three and a half years it was just an insane schedule we're not, we wow. don't have that yeah. going on right now. We are, we have 30 hours a week. We have our morning hours um, open. We either go five, six, seven hours, Monday through Friday. So, um, but we're always open pretty early, at least by 6 a.m. We always do intercession from 9 to 10 in the morning. So every day of the week we pray. Um, we always pray for the ending of abortion we usually take communion together that is kind of a daily thing at our prayer room it's a little maybe different at other prayer rooms we always have communion available for other times as well um and um we have a lot of devotional sets and we have a worship with the word set going on on friday which is a really sweet set so if somebody wanted to come and visit uh, we don't have housing for them. They'd have to get a hotel or something, but they could definitely spend all morning in the prayer room and just be in a sweet devotional set atmosphere, get in on some intercession, maybe you worship with the word, just soak in the presence of God um, in the prayer room, and then they they could do that for, for a week if they wanted to. That would be that would be a good vacation in my in my estimation. I would enjoy doing something like that. Yeah. Well, for, for years, my wife and I, before we moved up here, we would come to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City and do prayer retreats for a weekend or for a week. And, and so for all of you listening, I would highly encourage you, especially if you're in California, if you're in the Bay Area, and you just want a, a week-long prayer retreat, uh, I, I want to put you in touch with Amy so you can get to know her and, and come and visit there. Because, because taking time out once a year, once or twice a year and this it doesn't matter if you're in ministry or not if you were a christian taking that kind of time out every so often it is so powerful it's so reinvigorating and and you know most of you listening you're you're working you're doing you know you're doing life mm -hmm. but taking a break and not just taking a break for a vacation but taking an a, a, a intentional break mm -hmm. to go and sit before the lord in prayer now, yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. If you're not used to doing that, it's not easy. But it is powerful. It is life-changing. You know, 
how many people right now are listening and and you're you're thinking I don't want to go to this job today. I'm so burnt out with all of this. I don't want to do this anymore. How many people right now are thinking that? And and what you need is you need to just say I'm taking a week off or I'm taking a weekend off and I'm going to I'm going to go. I'm going to spend this time with the Lord. And and the Lord can just reset so many things in our life. Maybe it's it means it's time to move on, and maybe it's it's time to to double down on what the Lord has called us to. But we get clarity from those kinds of moments. I've had so many of those. I'm sure you've had so many of those. Yeah. And you probably had a lot of people who've come through who've had those kind of moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you're saying. So is, so tell me what's. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. It's so valuable what you're saying because. Sometimes we think when we're burnt out in our re- in our jobs, we think we need a vacation, so we think we need recreation. And recreation is good. I mean, I'm not knocking recreation, but a lot of times what we need is we need connection with God because that yeah. will refocus us into what is our mission because many of us are called to the workplace, right, as missionaries, but we can lose sight of our mission in that place and it can just become a job. So what you're saying is so yeah. true, so very valuable. Well, I want to pivot for just a minute because you you have a, a, a passion here. You have been reading and, and studying some, some people. I wanted to delve into that because many, many people, I don't know how many of my listeners are familiar with the term, the, the dark night of the soul, St. John of the Cross. Many people are familiar with that phrase. And they may even know that it's a book that St. John of the Cross wrote. Most of the people, what, what I'm, I'm loving here with you is, is most of the people that I've encountered, they'll talk about, you know, oh, Dark Night of the Soul. Oh, you know, have you read, you know, you, you, you know that phrase, you know that book, have you read that book? Well, you know, they'll reference Saint, you know, Dark Night of the Soul and you ask them, have they read the book? Well, no. I've, I've <laughs> met two people ever who've actually read the book Dark Night of the Soul, but I hear people throw that out all of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love the fact that you have spent time reading the works of St. John of the Cross, and I, I would love for my audience to, to you know hear you talk about like what got you into that. How did you find him, and, and what's kept you kind of churning through what he did? He lived in the, I believe he was born in the late 1600s, if I'm not right, lived through the 1700s. So that's the time period. Uh, he's Italian, um, if I if I'm not uh, if I'm if I'm correct about that. I believe he's an Italian guy. So so tell me a little bit about Saint John of the Cross and what drew you to him and, and and why are you fascinated by him? Okay, so there's you might be confusing two saints, but Saint John of the Cross he was more like uh, 1400, 1500, the time of the Reformation. He was kind of a counter Reformation within the Catholic Church. So we're talking two different Saint John of the Crosses, then. No, well, one is Saint Paul of the Cross, and one is Saint John of the Cross. And so, John, okay, Saint Paul of the Cross, who you who you might be referring to as the 1700s with the Passionists. He's the one that started the Order of the Passionists. You are you are so correct. You are so correct. Yeah. Yes. So there's two different ones. So yes. Saint John I'm of the sorry. Cross. I'm sorry. He did write on Dark Night of the Soul, and he is way more popular than Saint Paul of the Cross, who many people have never <laughs> even heard of. But I have a. I'm so sorry that I confused them. You are absolutely right. Tell me about Saint Paul of the Cross. Okay. So Saint Paul of the Cross, and because I've done some writing on him, and I've been reading his works. Um, 
the the way I got interested in him, I, I had been reading a lot of the saints, um, including Saint John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, many many others. Um, and so I actually would read kind of like a saint of the day on my computer just to kind of learn more about saints. I'm not Catholic myself, <laughs> but I would read. I was interested in them because many of them have super deep prayer lives. And so I had been reading just a saint of the day, like a little bio, and I read about St. Paul of the Cross. And, and he really attracted me because as I was reading about him, it said he started an order in the Catholic Church and his order didn't just have the normal three vows that they normally take in monastic life which is poverty, chastity, and obedience but it had also a fourth vow and the fourth vow in his order was to meditate on the passion of Christ three hours every day and so that really really struck me I actually just started to weep at my computer because I was thinking who does that who meditates on the passion of Christ three hours every day I've never even heard of such a thing you know so I was really uh, interested in that and taken aback by that and so I began to get whatever I could find on him and began to read on him he didn't he wrote letters, and so mostly his writings are some 2,000 letters that have been preserved by him. And I'm working through those now, but I read them very slowly because they're very deep. Um, so he, that's pretty much his writings. People um, have written, I have written uh, or read a dissertation that a theologian wrote on him, which was fascinating to me. I really enjoyed that and there's been like maybe two biographies written about him but otherwise there's not much on him and most even most Catholics that I know have never even heard of him he's not a popular saint but I just basically fell in love with his writings because of his letters and um, just his deep place of prayer that would come out even in his letters so I just take time to to meditate on those and just to, to even practice meditating on the passion like what he did has been very transformative for me yeah and, and sorry about the confusion there uh, for our listeners I totally screwed that up and confused us St. John of the Cross is a different guy from St. Paul of the Cross St. Paul was the Italian um, Correct. and uh, and yeah so he, you know he, he started this <clears throat> these groups I, I like the fact that he called his his monasteries retreats yes um you know prayer centers have in more modern times we think of prayer centers a lot of times as, as retreats mm -hmm. uh, the koreans they have uh what they call prayer mountains and their prayer retreats and they actually have them all over the united states as well and so i, I like that idea of calling them retreats mm -hmm. um i think I personally think one of the reasons why St. Paul of the Cross got the, nobody knows about him is because he got his feast day got kind of the shaft and he got uh, his feast day got cut <laughs> and then shoved into uh, lumped in with a whole bunch of other people later in the year. Yeah, um, they cut him, I guess, in the late 1800s, I suppose, and so no one are no one this century has has heard much about him. But I think that's, that's so cool. So you have been spending, you know, this time reading. Uh, these ancient works and I want to encourage you know all of my listeners you know when you have time it, it's fun to pick up modern books it really is 
and, and read people that have, are, are writing contemporarily, but there are some just amazing gems, amazing gems when you're reading some of these people that have gone before us, centuries before us. Yeah. And so <clears throat> you're, you're writing about these things publicly, and so you're also putting something together. Tell us about that. Yeah, so what I started to do, um, I was encouraged by a professor of mine, a friend of mine, Catholic professor. He encouraged me, Amy, you've been reading St. Paul of the Cross. Why don't you start to write on him, start to write little um, devotions, grab a quote and start writing. And so I took it as kind of an assignment and I decided, well, I'm going to try to write one for every day of the month. I'll write 31. And so um, I hadn't really done writing, I hadn't done much writing prior to that, but I just sort of began to write off a quote, and then I would just do it every day, I would do it in the prayer room, and um, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, I just kind of let it roll off out of the overflow, kind of out of my own heart, um, what that quote meant to me, and I wrote 31 of them, (laughs) and I happened to be sharing them with a Catholic priest that... I got to know and just to get his feedback on it and uh, also another professor and they were they were giving me a lot of encouragement and in fact the Catholic priest was starting his own website and he said is it okay if I put these on my website and I'm thinking I guess so I mean I've never edited them or anything they were literally off the out of the overflow and um he titled them and everything and put them on his website, which is uppergarden.org. You can find them on there. Um, I didn't really think anyone would notice them on there, but another author uh, who's written a great book, whose book I own, actually, she's an editor of a bigger Catholic website, saw them on there and contacted me and wanted to post them on this other website, spiritualdirection.com which is, you know, has a much bigger social footprint. And so I was very surprised by that. And I said, are, okay, are you, sh- <laughs> I guess so. You know, I mean, I just never really meant for them to go public like that. But um, I said, if you think they're going to help some people put them on there, you know. So she started to post them, and I think she's posted five so far um, on spiritualdirection.com. And... She's very fascinated by St. Paul of the Cross. She said, Amy, not many people know about this saint. And I think you have something here that needs to get out. You know, this, and what you what you refer to with the retreats is also a key point because the, one of the reasons why I was so attracted to reading his, his letters is because he was starting retreats all over. And in my mind, that's like starting prayer rooms. He was basically starting places of prayer where people who are living a lifestyle of prayer are praying together and they're doing missions. They're going out. And his order did that. They did prayer and missions. That's what their whole... They were very evangelistic, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, they were very evangelistic. And so prayer and missions is what they were doing. And they would just start more retreat centers. People would sign up to do the lifestyle to be in the monastery. And... Um, so he, I think he, boy, he had a couple hundred um, monasteries started by him just wow. going, preaching the word of God, 
people want to sign up for the lifestyle, not just to come to a good conference, but they're, they were struck with, these guys are giving their whole lives, you know, and it provoked people to want to give their lives too that way. So the way I saw it as I was reading about him starting all these retreats, in my mind it's like he was starting prayer rooms, you know, and they were spending yeah. hours a day meditating on the passion and they were preaching the gospel. So I just I loved, re loved reading about that. That is really cool. So uh, we're we're about out of time here, Amy. Thank you so much for being on. I just want to throw to you real quick. Tell everyone how they can get in touch with you, where you guys are located, and and how they can read what you've written about Saint Paul the Cross. How they can come and participate with uh, the furnace there in East Bay. Okay. Yes, you can go to eastbayprayerfurnace.org. That's our main website where you find pretty much all the information about about the prayer room. And then if you want to read some of my devotions, you could go on to uppergarden.org um, and go into other contributors. And then I, there's 31 devotions there. Or you could go to spiritualdirection.com and find five of them that have been posted. I think they're going to continue to post them. So um, I, I'm hoping to get all of these together into a book at some point. Um, I have 50 devotions right now. And it could be like coming out as like a Lenten devotional or something like that. So um, I don't know if it would be out this year, though. It might be a couple years. So Yeah. Well, we look forward to that. Amy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, this is Amy Knight, the director of the East Bay Prayer Furnace in the San Francisco Bay Area. I really want you to check out, if you were in the California Bay Area especially, Please go and, and check out their ministry. I think it will be uh, just a, a value and a resource to you. Again, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank Amy. you. Thank you very much. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for watching the 10-Week Bible Study. If you've enjoyed this, would you consider doing that whole like and subscribe and bell thing you're always hearing people talk about? It really helps other people find out about the show, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you. Thank you.